As we turn our attention now to the end of chapter 1 here in the second letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, so 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the last three verses, verses 10, 11, and 12, uh, we, we turn our attention really backwards because the context is how we finished last week. In other words, there are, in fact, exactly and only two roads that all of mankind can be on. One is the road to glory, and the other is the road to uh, a place that we don't want anybody to go. The, the example that the Apostle Paul gave was a, a, a place of damnation, eternal separation from God. And so there are two roads, and in fact, a little history uh, for us as Calvary Chapel family back in 1971, Connie and I were uh, still in, in El Cajon, California, but when Maranatha music first came about. Uh, one of those first bands was a band, uh, Country Faith, and Tom Stipe, Chuck Butler, uh, wrote a song, and, and it was actually called Two Roads, and it was based on this concept, this thought, and the words of Jesus there in Matthew's Gospel. But it said there, in the first verse, it says, there are two roads from which to choose, the road to glory or the fool's highway. Uh, Two roads from which to choose, the rocky one or the Lord's new freeway. Uh, And they they go on to sing in that song, choose before the Savior comes, the road to glory or the rocky one. Please decide before the Lord descends, the sweet road to glory or the bitter end. That is still the choice today. And if you've chosen the road to glory which is the focus here at the end of this chapter, if you're on the road to glory, then we should look like it. If we're on the road to glory, then our lives should bear witness that we're on the road to glory. If we are, in fact, God's chosen children, selected by him personally, paid for by his grace at Calvary's cross, if we're God's kids then our lives should bear witness to that fact. You see, for all of us, as I've often said, and will remind you again, people will believe of your life in an infinitely greater way what they can see over what they can hear. Over how you live, that, that is the, the critical component of your witness. And in fact, when I talk to people, when you get down to that nitty-gritty time, when you're sharing the gospel with people personally, when you talk to people who've had a problem and they're really resisting the gospel message, the two top reasons that I personally hear as to why people do not want to come to faith in Christ, they're rejecting the gospel message, are sadly the church and Christians. And you know why? Hypocrisy. Because they've heard one thing and seen another. And so in these remaining three verses, we find four basic components of how we ought to be living living our lives given that the Lord's going to come again. That the rapture's going to happen. That one day we're going home to heaven. 
you see, very often what we look at in, a, in the way that we live as is if we have an indefinite amount of time. We call it our lifespan. That actually we're going to be here and then we're going to live our life out and then we're going to probably be taken home by the Lord and we'll be forever with Him. We look at it from our own selfish perspective. We need to look at our lives from God's perspective. From God's perspective, he has left us here very specifically, this passage says, to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're still here. That's in word and in deed. That is our witness in this world, and it should be very consistent. And so as we will turn our attention to these last three verses, would you join me and let's pray and ask God to speak through uh, these final three verses. In Jesus' name, we ask right now, God, that you would prepare our hearts for what you want to say to us. We pray that you'd work uh, in our minds and in our hearts to transform our thinking. Lord, that you'd help us in the areas of weakness. God, that you would bless us uh, with your presence by your Spirit here in this place and in each of our lives individually, that we might know how you would have us live. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we pick up now in verse 10. And again, it's looking back to verse 9, of course, but it says, when he comes in that day, in other words, when he comes in that day, there's only going to be two kinds of people. There's going to be those who are in and those who are out. There'll be saints and, as I said, ain'ts. They'll be believers and unbelievers. There are going to be two roads. And now he's speaking to those of us who are on the one road. He's saying the way that we can help other people be on the same road that we're on, because we should want that, amen? God's desire is that all men be saved. You should want other people to be saved. Please, in Jesus' name, do not be Jonas. Well, I'm not going to preach the gospel to them because if I preach the gospel to them, they'll get saved. You don't want to be like that. You want to have God's agenda in your life. And because you want God's agenda, we need to live the lives that we live now in grace for his glory and for his purpose. And so he says, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints... In other words, there's going to be a day when Jesus comes again when it's going to be very clear that we are the glorified saints of God. But can I tell you something? People are supposed to be able to tell that today. They're supposed to be able to look at our lives today and say, that is the child of God. That is someone who believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and is saved, and they have been transformed by the renewing of their mind. You see, in a lot of cases, people can't tell that. And the reason being is the lives that we live. They're looking at our lives, they're going, I'm not seeing the difference here. I'm not noticing much that's different in your life over what's in my life. And so he gives us some keys as to how that ought to look. Because God's ultimate purpose is given here, to be glorified in his saints. And 
to be admired among all those who believe because of our testimony that was believed among you. So the question becomes, what do we do in the meantime? How do we make that happen? Because it will be the reality when Jesus comes again. But before Jesus comes again, he's taking the church home. Before Jesus comes again, the tribulation is going to unfold. Before Jesus comes again, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to be asking, what does it mean to be a believer in Jesus Christ? And here's the sad part. Once the Lord takes us home, that's going to be hard to discern. So we need to do the work before we leave. Before God takes us home. Before we are home in heaven, our lives need to bear witness so that when he takes us home and before he comes back, people absolutely understand what it means to be a believer. So what do we do? We have to develop the qualities that show the glory of God right now. The character of God right now. The testimony of the Lord's power by faith right now. In other words, what we do today is how people determine who Jesus is. Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to have the gospel message correct but the way people believe that gospel message is they've seen you. They've watched you live your life. They've seen us as a church live our lives godly in Christ Jesus. And so again, this is another passage that points us towards the importance of our doctrine and our duty being one and the same. What we believe being also how we live. And so, four basic things. The first of which is a life consistent with our calling. A life consistent with our calling. You see, the reality is Jesus is coming again. Amen? The question is for us who are still here, is what message are we going to leave people with? Whether you live your entire life, let's say you make it to 90, 100 years old, you live a full life, what message, what heritage in the Lord will you live? What, what will be here after you leave because your children came to know the Lord because of how you lived your life? Your family has had a consistent evidence of the power of God through Christ Jesus because of how you lived your life. In other words, you were consistent in your calling. You see, some people are so inconsistent that people don't believe they're called at all. Their lives bear little likeness to Jesus. And so Paul earnestly prays for this, this present spiritual condition. Now, I don't know how many of you remember back to last summer's Olympic Games, and specifically to the swimming team, and very specifically to one Ryan Lochte, a gold medalist. A gold medalist who took it upon himself to greatly shame all of us by behaving in a way that was inappropriate as someone who is an Olympic champion representing the United States of America. And I need not give you the details. But if you remember that whole scene, 
not only does he lie about it and he does exactly what he said he didn't do and and the whole thing it's like this guy represents us he's not just representing himself this is a member of the united states olympic team what a shame now how much infinitely worse is it when we are a member of the lord's eternal kingdom and we represent here on this here, him here on this earth and the lives that we live do not adequately represent who he is not our own personal desires you see i don't want to shame god that way I want God to see us as a church and me as an individual and my family corporately and go, that is an accurate representation. That is consistent with the price that was paid for Jeff's life on Calvary's cross. That is a life that when you look at it represents the things of God. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Someone who walks in the spirit, not in the flesh. Someone whose life is governed by the word of God. Someone, when someone else looks at it, so that my life is consistent with his life here and now, today, because that is ultimately the goal. We need to be on that path now, family. And I don't mean to beat a single person up in here. This is our goal. This is our task. This is how we should be living our lives. Our lives are not our own anymore. Amen? If you're a believer, say amen. Amen. You were bought and paid for with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. So your life's not yours. It has a new form and function in that sense. It's to glorify God. And so we have to be consistent with Him, not with our own personal agendas. Does your life bear witness that you were called? I pray it does. A second thing is a powerful and prayerful walk. I want to ask you a question, and please don't be beat up. If, if, you, if you have a tough time with this question, do something about it and change. Please, it's that simple. And I want to ask you a very serious question. If your life actually looked like how you pray, what would it look like? Oh, you'll probably be healthy. You'll probably be wealthy. You'll probably be wise. But how many people that you don't like will come to faith in Christ? How many of those sins would you actually have victory over that you still struggle with? How many things in your life would actually be different because you'd have God's agenda that you're praying for versus your agenda you're praying for? What would your life look like? You see, a powerful prayer life prays for the will of God, not for the will of Jeff. I can tell you I struggle in this area at times because I pray in the will of Jeff. We need to get focused on what God wants us to pray for and pray about 
and pray with such intensity that we hope to get it accomplished. You know, sometimes I, I look at our lives in, in, in the way that I, I kind of imagine my own. Our lives corporately are affected in such a way that, that we're getting what we're praying for, which at times isn't much. Oh, sure, when we've got a problem, we go to God. When there's something that happens to us, we're quick to the throne room. But we wonder why that person doesn't come to faith in Christ is because we actually don't pray for them. We, we wonder why our country's a mess is because we complain about it instead of pray about it. How many things in our world would be transformed if we took the time to pray for what we complain about? What we object to. And I'm not dismissing any wrongdoing by anyone who's offended someone. I'm simply saying the power is in the prayer. The power is not in the complaining. We, we have plenty of complaining going on in our world. Amen? Amen? It's not changing anything. Maybe we should have a powerful prayer life that would produce in us a powerful walk for the Lord. And so he says, look, be consistent and be powerful in prayer. You know, it's very obvious when we think about our lives. Look, Paul said, pray without ceasing. We're to pray always in all prayer with supplication. We saw that in the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. We're we're admonished over and over and over and over to keep on praying. Pray without ceasing. Confess your trespasses, James says, one to another that you might be healed. You realize there's a reason that's in there? Because God actually wants us to do it. Be powerful prayer warriors. Because unless we pray, not much is going to change. It's going to be just like it is right now. This is a quality of someone who's walking with the Lord. Paul prays for these things for the church at Thessalonica. As he was reminding uh, the the believers in Philippi, he said, look, I'm pressing towards the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what he was praying for. Pray for that. Be prayer warriors. A third thing. Faith. Faith working powerfully in us. You see, it says here, the work of faith with power. You you see, we can't be confident of something that we don't have any faith in. Paul, as he writes to the church of Philippi there in chapter 1, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in me is faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. Unless I have faith, that's a silly thing. Because I can't see it. The very thing that the writer of Hebrews would admonish us in, he said, look, without faith it's impossible to please God. Chapter 11, chapter 12, the book of Hebrews, you you read those two chapters and you're like, look, I need to be a person of faith. As the church, 
has people who are awaiting the rapture of the church, followed by the tribulation, followed by the second coming of the Lord, by the millennial reign after that, as people who are waiting for that, do we have faith working powerfully in us today? Because that's where we engage God. Brothers and sisters, that's where we engage God, is in faith. By prayer and through supplication, we make our request known to him. I am believing in the unseen God to accomplish the seen things here and now. But if I don't have faith, I might as well go sit in a lotus position someplace and contemplate my navel. If it's just fancy words that are concocted so that they sound good when other people hear them, Sometimes I don't want you guys to hear me praying because what I'm praying is, Lord, I'm an idiot. I can't believe I thought that. Anybody else pray like that? It's a good way to pray because it's honest. It's honest. We don't pray so people can hear us. We pray so God can hear us. Talk to the Lord. I'm not suggesting that you disrespect God and use all kinds of language you shouldn't use. I'm simply saying, be real. And believe. Lord, I am a knucklehead. And you need to help me. Because I am a knucklehead. That's honesty before the throne of God. You think God doesn't know that already? You know what the secret ingredient is? Faith. That's the ingredient. He's waiting for you to acknowledge by faith that you have an issue and you want God to do something about it. True faith is what brings real power in our lives. Verse 12, he goes on and closes this out. and says that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. Notice it's a two-way street, please. It's a two-way street. He's already done the work. He's already called you. He's already paid for your life. God will be one day, absolutely, 100% of us, God will be glorified. But are you glorifying him now? Are we glorifying God as a church? When God looks, if if he does such a thing and looks from heaven, which I believe he does, and he looks at this church, he looks at your family, he looks at my life, does he say, well done now? Or does he say, you know, we could change a few things. You see, sometimes we forget that we need to do something about our walk right here, right now. And so he says, the testimony that we have today is important. The testimony you have today is important. We have today is important. The testimony the church has today matters. Why? Because it's supposed to bear the glorious, wondrous name of Jesus into this world. And when the apostle uses the name, name here, because it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow, amen, and every tongue confess, when he uses name, it's not like it's just Jesus, though that would be good enough. 
because it means God is salvation, but he's saying everything that Jesus represents, the church is supposed to bear that image today. All the goodness, all the kindness, all the wonder of the Lord, all the faith, all the joy, all of those things are supposed to be visible in us right now so that the world knows Jesus' name. Not that they just know that he's the only Savior. That's wonderful. But he's supposed to know who Jesus is. When you talk to someone, his character, his majesty, his excellence, his power, think of those things. When you say the name Jesus, does he just mean Savior? As wonderful as that is, do not mistake what I'm saying here. It's wonderful, it's glorious, it's even necessary that Jesus is Savior. But he's also Lord to the glory of God the Father, amen? He's also the one that transforms and renews our minds, amen? Do you see where I'm going with this? There's a lot more to the name of Jesus that we can be in this world so that people know Jesus. In this is the love of God manifest that one lay down his life for his friends. How much laying down of your life have you done for your friends? You see, because that's telling them about Jesus. How much be ye a forgiver? For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. How much forgiveness do we exhibit while we're here on this earth? Because that speaks the name of Jesus. How much letting go of bitterness do you do because that keeping of the bitterness does not speak the name of Jesus? How much hatred, how much anger? Do you see how big that name of Jesus actually is? It's huge. It encompasses everything that we do all day, every day. You have the opportunity to speak the name of Jesus every moment of every day. And I'm sure every last one of you has had an experience like this. How many times have you changed someone's countenance by simply smiling at them? By saying a kind word. You know what one of the characteristics of Jesus is? Kindness. Being gentle. We live in an ungentle world. Amen? It's not gentle. It's very harsh. Painful at times. Brutal at times. Murderous at times. The world needs gentleness. The world needs kindness. And oh boy, does the world need self-control. We have like lost sight of self-control in this country. It's like everybody says exactly what they want to say when they want to say it. And whatever it does, nobody seems to care. We need to have some control. That comes from the Lord. When you tell people, I'm a believer. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And that he loves us. He loves me. He loves you. You have to have a measure of self-control and hold back some of those things that we were thinking. You know, sometimes the best words you say are the ones you don't. Amen? Amen? Because you don't have to take those back. You don't have to retract them. 
Make some plaques, send those to Washington. Could you just stop talking? I don't mean to pick on our government. We, we need some self-control in our world. Let's show them what that looks like. Let's be who God's called us to be and glorify him on this earth and give testimony of what he's done for us, for me, for you. It's what we're supposed to be doing. And if we do that, that is our best opportunity for people to also come to faith in Christ. Because they're going to see the people on the other road. Now hear this well. They're going to see the people on the other road and they're going to see us on the other, the, the good road, the road that leads to glory. They're going to see the one that leads to perdition. They're going to see the one that leads to separation from God. And they're going to see the one that leads to God. They're going to say, no choice which one I want to be on. I'm not going to be on that one. I want to be on this one. Because people are pretty attracted to love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control kindness. They're not really attracted to anger, bitterness, hate. So if we live the way we're supposed to live, people can see Jesus. They want to know Jesus. They'll ask you what's different about you. Why are you the way you are? And you can do exactly what this says, that God may be glorified in us By his name, you'll live out that Matthew 5 principle of letting your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works, your life lived, and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Because that's why we're still here, is to glorify God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll pray? And maybe you're struggling. Maybe you came today and... You've been struggling with anger or bitterness or something that's just burrowed its way underneath the the edge of your soul. And you need somebody to pray with you. Our prayer team's available in the prayer prayer room. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you came today and and you said, well, whoever this Jesus is, I want to know him. We have a bunch of prayer warriors that love to share with you the good news of the gospel so that you could... Say that prayer and invite Christ into your life to forgive your sins, to cleanse you from unrighteousness, and to set your feet upon the rock. Maybe you're here today and things are pretty good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Let's tell the rest of the world how good it can be by living our lives in such a way that they'll see who we are I go, I want to be on that road. Whatever the, wherever that road's going, that's the road I want to be on. And when they ask us of the hope that lies within us, we tell them the one name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us. Lord, that no one would walk away from this place today feeling condemned, but rather encouraged. Lord, we all have issues, we all have problems. We all have things that can be done better for your kingdom 
Help us to do that. Help us to care about it. Help us to desire to live our lives because the truth is one day you are coming and therefore we always ought to pray because we want to be counted worthy of that calling. And so, Lord, help us to, to live our lives to that end. Lord, when you show us areas that need to change, we'll be battling in prayer over those areas. When you give us a good gift, let us use it for your glory and for your kingdom. We thank you, God, for calling us out of the world and into your marvelous light. We thank you for your grace that saves. We bless your name here and now so that those who see us might have a reason to ask of that hope. And when they ask, would we be ready to give that defense? Lord, we love you. We praise you. We bless you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.